Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. In this lockdown coronavirus mess, I sat down with pastors yesterday on Zoom all across the country, and I talked to them about how they need to make sure that the voice of the shepherd is heard by their flocks. So right now, all across the country, pastors have got Zoom set up and they've got all kinds of things set up. It's so important that God's people hear the voice of a shepherd in this time. Pastors, we're not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but God has placed us in your life to lead you and to guide you to him. And that, that's my only goal. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just ask that your hand rest upon all of your people today. Father, it's been a long week, especially for those with kids in the house schooling and trying to work from home and do all these things at the same time, plus the stress of the unknown. Father, just let your presence come upon every home this morning in Jesus' name. Let there just be a simple rest of faith and a peace that passes all understanding that comes within all of their homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Every morning, we start with Psalms 91. This is our watchword during this time. From the time this began, I began to talk to you about Psalms 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Say that with me right now. God, you are my refuge. Say it with me. God, you are my refuge. God, you are my fortress. God, you are my God. God, I trust in you. All during the day today, just let those words out of the abundance of your heart come out of your mouth. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, the coronavirus. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield. Those faithful promises of God are a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, because you've chosen to live in him, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. I want you just to reach over to a wall in your house right now. Just reach over and touch a wall or reach down and touch the floor. Father, I thank you because I don't live in this house. I live in you. This coronavirus shall not come into my home in Jesus' name, amen. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Some of you, you have to go out and buy food for the family. Others of you, you're frontliners, you're working in the hospitals, you're police, you're military. He will guard you in all your ways, not, not just in your home. If you have to go out, he will guard you. The angels will guard you in all your ways. 
on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone you will tread on lion and adler the young lion and serpent you will trample underfoot because he holds fast to me in love just because i love him i will deliver him i will protect him because he knows my name when he calls to me i will answer him and i will be with him in trouble I will rescue him and honor him with long life. Aha. Seniors, don't be afraid of this thing. You have a promise. You have a promise, seniors. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Nanai Paunil just celebrated her 90th birthday the other day. 90 years. Now, her kids couldn't all come back from Canada and the U.S. to be with her, but... I made sure I said, now send Nana word for me that her kids can come back next year because she's still going to be here in Jesus' name. With long life, he promised to satisfy us. Oh, Father, let there be no fear in the heart of the seniors. Let there be no fear in the name of Jesus. Let there just be a settled peace, a settled rest of faith, Lord, that this too shall pass. Oh, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now remember, worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is not entertainment that we pay for. Worship is something we participate in. So stand with me and let's worship.
Welcome back. I want to talk to you just a little bit about a few practical things before we start reading the word today. First of all, there's not a lot of money coming in right now into our families. A lot of us were not working. And, you know, I know there are some companies that say they're still paying, but there's a lot of the smaller companies, they say no work, no pay. Number one, please don't be afraid. Your source is not your company. Your source is God. God is your provider. So please let the fear get out of your heart and recognize that God's going to make a way where there is no way. You're going to be all right. It will be well. This will pass. Okay, so don't don't fear lack. Right now is a time to just relax because there's not a whole lot you can do except have faith in God. Now, for some of you, especially those of you, you've got your college educations, you're very professional, you're men of action. <laughs> this is hard for us because we're used to getting up and doing something about it. But there's not a lot we can do about this. So may I please, and please I understand the young ones, you're professional, you're intelligent, you're used to being proactive and everything, but right now you're told to stay home and sit down and shut up. And this is, this is difficult for you. But this is the time to learn the rest of faith. That, yes, God wants us to work and God wants us to be involved and faith without works is dead. Yes, 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 to all of that. But there's always going to be situations in life where you and I can do nothing except stand back, stand still, as God told Moses. Stand still and see the salvation of our God. Now, watching the salvation of God is cool. The standing still part takes some discipline. Now, let's talk a little bit about discipline. So I said there's not a lot of money coming in, so there needs to not be a lot of money going out. Now, you know, some of you, forgive me, you're home, you're bored, and you're doing what I call board shopping. You're bored, so you're shopping. You're, you're looking at things online and going, ah, I'd like that. That's some new tech. You know, I had an advertisement come up in my email yesterday or two days ago for a, a new tablet called Remarkable. It's a, an e-tablet. And it's supposed to be the latest, coolest thing out there. You can pre-order, will deliver in June. And man, I came really close to pushing the button and say, yeah, I'd like that. No, no, wait a minute. There's no money coming in, so there shouldn't be any money going out right now. now. Some of you, you know, you're looking at Lazada, you're looking on Shopee. You know, right now, just buy the food, and take care of the things that need to be done. All right, so a little discipline, please. Listen to the radio, DZBR. Without any confusion going on in town, you know, DZBR signals should be reaching way up to the northern part of Quezon City. Those of you here in the South, you can hear it very easily. All of you across Batangas and Laguna and Cavite, you're getting a very clear signal, so 5:31 a.m. Or you could just listen to it on the internet. You know, if you've got internet built into the house, you've got Wi-Fi connections at the house, just turn it on and listen. Just all day long, listen to the other members of the body minister to you and listen to the worship and enjoy in Jesus' name. I also want to talk to you about Sunday. We can't have services. Okay, so Friday, we're going to keep doing today what we've been doing all week, 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. We'll have a little service together here online. Saturday night, we'll do the same thing. On Sunday, we're, we're going to follow the same schedule, the 10, or the 7.30, the 10, and the 3. Not the new 12.30, but the 7, uh, the 10, and the 7.30, the 10, and the 3 o'clock. 
But what I'd like you to do is on Sunday, make Sunday a different day. And I want to talk to you a little bit tomorrow about doing communion together on Sunday. Even though we may not have juice, we'll have some, we'll encourage some other substitutes to celebrate kind of a, a communion together with, with what we have, because these are just symbols anyway. And some people are going to think I'm being very sacrilegious by that, but sometimes we make do with what we have. And we just move forward in Jesus' name. But, but Sunday, let's let Sunday be a different day. You, know, you don't want you don't want the Lord's Day to be like every other day. Maybe on Sunday you turn off the binge watching on TV, and on Sunday the kids don't do homework and stuff. But on Sunday you really focus as a family on God. So begin to think about this with your family. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Right now, I'd like you to come with me to the book of Luke chapter six. Now, last night I forgot my big jug of water and my mouth was so dry, my lips were sticking together when I finished. I like my big jug of water. Luke chapter six, beginning with verse 27. I say to you who hear, now notice, he says, I say to you who hear, not everybody's listening. Not everybody wants to hear. You have to understand as a teacher, and Jesus was a rabbi, he was a teacher. There were people who would hear, and there are people who do not hear. He said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, whoa. Now he didn't say like your enemies, he said love your enemies, that's a higher level. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Now take those one by one. We all have enemies and it's really easy to return the same feelings that they give toward you. It's really easy to mirror their feelings. God doesn't want you to be a mirror. God wants you to be a source. He said, now listen, you, you can't allow other people's attitudes to control how you feel. There's a lot of people that hate God, but God doesn't hate back. God doesn't mirror their image. Whatever you focus on God, God focuses back on you. He reflects it back on you. God doesn't treat us that way. And at some point, we can't. We have to learn not to treat people this way. Now, let me just stop here. Young people, right now, some of your greatest struggles are lust, drinking, smoking, shavu, pornography, premarital sex, putting your hands where they don't belong on your girlfriend or your boyfriend. And you think that these struggles are so, so difficult. Young people, please. Those are like loose dirt that you sweep off the floor with a broom. Jesus is talking about the hard stuff here. This is the stuff that when you begin to look at it, you go, man, I got a long way to go. It's so easy to just reflect back people who hate you's emotions right back at them. But Jesus said, no, love your enemies. And he said, do good to those who hate you. Have you ever had a situation where you had an opportunity to help somebody who you know hates you? Yeah, and it's really easy to say, yeah, I'm just going to ignore that. Look at how they've treated me. Look at how they look at how they talk about me. I'm just going to I'm going to ignore that. He said, no, don't ignore it. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. <laughs> You know, there's a lot of people that say bad things about you. You should bless them. Speak favorably to them. Speak in a happy way about them. Oh, this is hard stuff. Pray for those who abuse you. 
Now, all of us have people who abuse us. All of us have people. I don't care who you are, there are people who abuse us. Pastor A was telling me that she'd gone up to Mercury Drug the other day to get some things. And in the line, there's this poor security guard. And everybody's having to line up outside and they've got things drawn on the pavement for social distancing and the security guard is trying to enforce all of this. And there's some Donya, And she is just yelling at the security guard. She's slapping at him. She's hitting him. Totally frustrated. Who do you think you are? You know, that poor security guard was abused. All of us have people in life that abuse us. Pray. Rather than hate, pray. Now, what Jesus is teaching you here is a way to deal with your heart. Now, I know this sounds a little simplistic, but this is a way to deal with your heart. When people abuse you, it's really easy to let hatred and bitterness and hurt come in. But Jesus said, pray for them. So when, when you... When you're thinking all day about something that somebody did that really hurt you, that really abused you, you need to go back home and spend some time in prayer. Call them by name in prayer. Ask God to bless the work of their hands. Ask God to show his goodness to them and lead them to a place of repentance. Ask God to bless their family. Ask God to be kind to them. Because as you do, something changes in you. Now, this is how you deal with it. You deal with it in prayer. To the one who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And for the one who, now, now there's a good one. Now, I'll be straight up with you on this. As a guy, this is how I implement this. If you hit me, take your best shot. Knock me down as many times as you want. I'll keep getting up and giving you another chance. Now, in my stubbornness, I'll probably keep getting up and making you knock me down again. But I won't fight back. But now you hit my wife, you hit my girl, you you attack somebody that I love, you know, I'm gonna go in between you. I'm gonna stop that. So dads, this is not, you know, somebody can walk up and slap your daughter down on the street and you just stand there and watch while he rapes her. No, 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 no. If somebody attacks you, you just keep giving them the other cheek. But you still protect your family. This is not pacifism, this is refusing to hurt people unless you have to. Offer the other cheek also, and from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. He said, you know, when, when people steal from you, just let it go. God will give you more. You know, somebody asked me one time, Pastor Summerall, if you had a gun and somebody wanted to steal your watch, would you shoot them to keep your watch? Nah, give them the watch. So I want, to, so I want to see that person in heaven, and if I kill him, he'll never have a chance of getting into heaven. So, you know, just let them have it. Give to everyone who begs from you. Oh, now, now, there's a hard one. I, I don't know the line on this one, all right? Because a lot of the beggars that you find on the streets are professional and they take the money back to their beggar kings, you know? I, I don't know how to do this one. I try to do this one. Every time somebody walks up and, and begs from me, I try to do this one. But I'm not sure that I always succeed. And the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. I've had a lot of people that borrowed things from me and borrowed them permanently. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now here is what we call the golden rule. But if you really want to understand this, understand Jesus is teaching you to act like he does, to act like the Father. How does God treat us? God treats us in a way that he wants us to treat him. 
Now, if you look at this and recognize, now, wait a minute, this is, this is not just how we treat people. This is how God treats us. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And next time you hear somebody say, Jesus never called people sinners, remind this passage. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? If you only lend to people who, who can pay you back, there's no blessing in that. Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But Jesus said, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Now notice, this isn't just about the lending. Love your enemies, expecting nothing in return. Do good, expecting nothing in return. Lend, expecting nothing in return. Now, here is to me one of the greatest truths about controlling our attitudes. Wrong expectations. You and I have grown up in a culture where we strongly believe the debt of the heart. If we've done something good for somebody, there's a debt of the heart. They should return the favor. We've grown up with wrong expectations. These are not Christian expectations. As a Christian, the expectation we should have is zero. God does good to the whole world, expecting nothing in return. God sends rain on the land, expecting nothing in return. God blesses people with the sun and the rain, expecting nothing in return. God does good to people, hoping it will lead us to repentance, but expecting nothing in return. Now, now, now brothers and sisters, please, here is the biggest problem with your attitudes. Wrong expectations. Control your expectations. However you treat people, expect nothing. Don't expect a thank you. Don't expect people to return the favor. Don't expect people to pay it forward. Expect nothing in return. See, this is all about how we treat people, not about how people treat us. Wow, now that's, that's a heavy one to think about all day, controlling your expectations, because that's how God does it. Expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. <laughs> okay, I'm expecting nothing from people. But God sees I've done this with no expectations, and God rewards me. My reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Wow. So Jesus is saying, be like the Father. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Expecting nothing in return. God doesn't walk around with his feelings hurt. God doesn't walk around bitter and hurt because, you know, bucket Expect nothing in return. Why? For he is kind and ungrateful to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Now, you know what? If we just stopped right there today, forgive me, we could work on this passage for the rest of our lives. Just work on this passage for the rest of our lives. Verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. And now, every, every person in the world who wants to live a compromising, carnal life knows that verse. But they don't add to it Paul's writings where it says we are to judge those inside the church. 
So what is Jesus talking about? Well, continue and you see. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not. Now the word judge there it means evaluate. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Now it's amazing. Everybody starts with the give part. Uh, maybe back up a little bit and start with the judge not, condemn not, forgive, and you will be forgiven. Forgiveness is also something that we give. You give forgiveness to people who ask of you, and then God says, you'll receive forgiveness. Give, and it will be given to you. Not it might be. Now, I want all of you right now to think. This, this is not a time to sow a seed. This is a time to have faith in a God who has seen the seeds that have been sowed. Right now, we can't get to church and sow a seed. Well, pastor, we can give online. You know, you guys gotta forgive me. I just struggle with this online giving thing, okay? You know, nowhere in the Bible do we see send. Everything about the tithe and everything about offerings in the Bible is about showing honor. And, you know, when I send a gift to somebody, am I really honoring? Or if I bring the gift and present it, am I honoring? So that's, that's why I'm telling people, you know, just this may not be a season for giving right now. We can't leave our houses, but we can set it aside. And there's going to be a day in the future when this is all over and we can bring our tithe and bring our offerings. But right now, this is a time for faith in seed that has already been sown. Not faith in the seed. That's the wrong way to say it. Faith in a God who has seen the seed that has already been sown. He said, it will be given to you. Not it might be. It will be given to you. How will it be given to you? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, th this is a time to, to, to walk in faith. Yes, we can't sow seed right now, but we can stand in faith for the God that has seen all the generosity that we have already sowed. Some of you are so worried about your jobs. You're so worried about your careers. You're so worried about your business. You're so worried about your store. You're so worried about money. Please forgive me. COP, you are a generous congregation. There is generosity that flows out of you. Now, would you just stand back now and let God do his part? He gave you the seed to sow. You've sown it with generosity. Now step back and watch what God does. Watch how God takes this thing and turns it around and blesses you with it. How he takes what was meant for evil and turns it into good for you. How you walk through this thing and you're in the other end of it and you're more blessed than you were before it. Watch how God honors the generosity of the heart that you have shown. Watch how God now provides for you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With the measure, the measure of generosity that you used, God is now going to measure back to you. So yes, this may not be a, a, a season to sow, but this is a season to stand in faith that God has seen all the seed that has been sowed. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into the pit? Now, young people, please forgive me. I don't believe in influencers, okay? I just, I, I, I listen to all these nobodies who have some charisma and they can get on and they've got a lot of charisma, 
but they've got no substance. You want to say, where's the beef? You know, you just, to use that old colloquialism, where's the beef? There's no substance. Now, young people, just because somebody's in front of people and they have charisma and people like to watch them, doesn't mean that you should follow them. He said, if you, if, can a blind man lead a blind man? Now, now, please forgive me. Who's trying to lead you? You need to ask yourself the question, can they see where they're going? Can they see the future of their decisions? See, the word of God gives us sight. The word of God gives us sight. How come man direct his path according to your word? The word of God gives us sight. We, we see where we're going. We see the outcome of our decisions. You should only follow people who know the word. Will they not both fall into the pit? A disciple, a student, that's all disciple means is a student. We've kind of made it some new Christian mantra, but a disciple just means a student. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teachers, okay? I, I, I don't get these people who think they're above Jesus. Just like uh, I don't get these people in Corinth who thought they were above Paul. So a student, when they're fully trained, they'll be like their teacher. Now, there's a little caveat to this I want to put in. This shows you that a person can never, you can never outgrow the person who's teaching you. Ah, so in other words, there comes a point where you're limited. Why do you see the speck in your own brother's eye, in your, in your brother's eye, but do not see the log that is in your own eye? You know, when, when you've got this log in your eye, you know, how, how can you, how can you possibly see the speck that's in your brother's eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourselves do not see the log that is in your own eye? Now, now, he's just being logical with us for a minute. How can you possibly see clearly with a log in your eye trying to take something out of somebody else's eye? We all know how delicate the eye is. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is out of your brother's eye. Now, Jesus isn't saying here that we should not be self-correcting as a church. He's not saying that as a connect group leader, you, you shouldn't help people understand, you know, hey, guy, stop committing adultery. He's saying, listen, you need to correct yourself first so that you can see clearly. In other words, there's a sequence. You get yourself right, then you can help other people get right. Verse 43, for no tree, no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Now notice we're talking about bearing fruit now. We're not talking about gathering fruit and stacking it around the bottom of a tree. He said, what kind of fruit does a tree bear? It bears good fruit or bad fruit depending on the health of the tree. Fruit is the current health of the tree. The, the trunk, you, you can look at the trunk and maybe it's been diseased and it's gnarled and everything, but it's producing really sweet mangoes right now. So currently, maybe that trunk, maybe that tree has been through some health issues, but currently that tree is really good. Fruit shows the current health, current condition of the tree. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Now notice, you can't know a tree by the fruit of types of trees like that. You know, I, I talked with a friend one time. He said, Pastor Samuel, I'm going to go to this denomination church in this city. And I said, you know, 
you don't want to go there. He said, no, no, I, I used to go to that, that type of church and it was always a good church. I said, yes, but every tree is known by its own fruit, not by its type of tree. One mango tree will produce really, really good fruit. You can go to a mango tree uh, in another province and that mango tree, the fruit would be very sour, very, ugh. You wonder why, is this a mango? Is this, or is this guaibano? It's so sour. You have to look at each tree for itself. There are many pastors at COP that are wonderful, but sometimes we get a pastor who's not very good. You can't judge the bad one and say, okay, they're all good because I know this one and they're good. And you can't judge and say, I knew this one and he was bad, but the others are good. No, you have to judge each tree by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, let me just back up there and ask yourself the question, what is the treasure? What is it that you consider so valuable that you keep in your heart? Some people consider hatred for generations of some family. It's called family feuds. They consider that a treasure to be passed down from generation to generation. That's, that's not a treasure, but that family values it. It's an evil treasure. What are the things that you treasure that you really want to keep in your heart? What are the attitudes? What are the emotions? What are the memories? These are the things that, that fill our hearts. And we should always make sure that the things that we treasure and we hold in our hearts, these are good things. Not bad memories, not unforgiveness, not bitterness toward how somebody treated us. It's best just to forget those things. It, it really is best to forget those things. Because if you put all that bad treasure, these are things that you treasure, you put, but they're bad, and you keep them in your heart, one day, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And people are going to look at you and go, whoa, where did that come from? We didn't know that was in your heart. I sat down with a man one time, and he'd committed adultery with his secretary. And he said, Pastor Samuel, I have no idea how this happened. I said, I do. He said, how can you possibly know how it happened? I said, I can tell you exactly how it happened. I said, you started lustful thoughts. You kept those things in your heart. They stayed there in your heart. It was a bad treasure, but you treasured it. And you kept those things and you kept those things. And then one day they came out by your actions and by your words. You, you started speaking differently to that secretary. You started courting and wooing that secretary. You have to understand it all starts in here. So please, Jesus is saying, choose what is a treasure and only put good treasure in your heart. Now Jesus really gets in everybody's face. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? <laughs> He's still saying that to Christians today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? There are so many people who claim to be followers of Jesus. They don't care a thing about what Jesus said. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them. Okay, you got to hear it and you have to do it. I will show you what he's like. He is like a man building a, bit, building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, in other words, it didn't say if a storm comes, storms come. 
when a flood rose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, what made it unshakable? Because that person built their life not just on hearing what God said, but on obedience to what God said, because it was well-built. A well-built Christian life is a life of obedience. Ah, now you meditate on that one for a while. A well-built Christian life is a life of obedience. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When, not if, when the storm broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So, obedience makes an unshakable life. Disobedience brings ruin in life. Now, when does this ruin take place? In seasons just like we're living right now. And now please, these are not words of fear and these are not words of condemnation, but these are words of reality. Now, brothers and sisters, if you've been living a life, now none of us are perfect, please let's get that straight. If you're living a life that hears and obeys the word of God, now I didn't say you always get it right, but you're, you're, you're doing your best here. In this season, you're not going to be shaken. You're not going to be broken. But if you live a life that hears and disobeys, this storm that is breaking over our nation right now, this storm that is breaking over the world right now, is gonna ruin the lives of many people who call Jesus Lord, Lord, but do not do what he tells them. And, and I'm sorry, this, this is just the reality of it. The storms of life separate the obedient from the disobedient. The disobedient will be destroyed and ruined. The obedient, we will not be shaken. Now, don't take those words as condemnation. I already taught you the sermon the other night about forgiveness. And God's a God of mercy. We'll get into that in a few nights. But please, Understand that it's in seasons like this where distinctions are made. Those who claim and those who live it. All right, let's now go back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 2. Oh, I went too long on that passage. Deuteronomy, chapter 2. We're going to walk through the wilderness years. And this is Moses' recount of the wilderness years. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea as the Lord told me. Now notice leaders should only lead the people as the Lord tells them. We don't lead people to our goals. We don't use people. And, and this is the big thing about Moses. Moses never saw that this was my goal to build a great nation. Moses saw it is my goal to lead these people to God's destiny. Now, now, that's the difference between biblical leadership and this modern mantra of Christian leadership in the world today. The people are not tools that we use to achieve our goals and our status. Instead, we are God's tool to bring the people to the goals that he has for them, as the Lord told me. And for many days, we traveled around Mount Seir. And then the Lord said to me, you have been traveling around this mountain country long enough. So, okay, there's a time to start moving toward your destiny. There's a time that you stop, so to speak, spinning your wheels and get moving in the right direction. Sometimes I tell young men today, maybe because we've been raised as a generation without fathers because of all of our Middle East workers. I say, guy, how old are you? 34. Do you have a girlfriend? No. Have you ever had a girlfriend? No. I've been building my career. 
Well, don't you think you've been spinning your wheels long enough and it's about time to move on with your life? There comes a point in time where it's time to move forward. You know, I looked at one guy, he's 40 years old, no girlfriend, not even thinking about it. He, he, now, he's not buckler or anything. He just, he just never thought about it. And I said, dude, right now, if you get married and have children tomorrow, which you cannot, it's going to take you a couple of years to court and then another couple of years to have a baby. So let's say you have your first baby at 44. You're going to be 64 years old when your, your son is 20. Now, how good are you going to be at playing basketball with him and teaching him in his middle age, in, in, your, in your years when he's in his, his prime years and prime physical strength? Guys, come on, get moving with your life. You've been there long enough. Turn northward and command the people. You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau. So notice, God still considered Israel related to Esau. Who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, do not so much as a sole of the foot to tread on, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Now stop for just a minute and look at that. God gave the people of Esau land, just like God had given Jacob's people land. Jacob and Esau were brothers. God gave Esau land, God gave Jacob land. Jacob is Israel, all right? Now, he said, I've given them this land. But now notice the caution. He said, um, your brothers, they're gonna be afraid of you. So be very careful, do not contend with them. When people are afraid of you, they fight easily. Now, you know me, I'm a dog person. You don't worry about a dog when they feel confident, but when a dog feels scared, they'll bite you. When you see a dog put its ears back and it's a little afraid and you back a dog into a corner, that dog is gonna hurt you. You have to understand when people are afraid, they're gonna hurt you. So learn, they're afraid of us. So be very careful. Anytime you get around people that are afraid of you, be very careful. I've given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. This was Esau's land. God gave them land just like God gave Israel land, just like God gave the Pinoy people this land. You shall purchase food from them for money and you sh that you may eat, and you may also buy water from them for money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. All right, he said, now listen, you've got this great army. You could wipe them out. But you know what? Might doesn't make right. This is not a time to use your strength. This is a time to pay for it. You know, just because you can intimidate them into giving you whatever you want because they're afraid of you, that's not right. He said, God's been good to you. God's blessed the work of your hands. You've got money. You can buy food. You can buy the, the water. He said, God has enabled you to purchase it. So you don't need to use your, your military power to take from people when God has blessed you and enabled you to purchase from people. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. I like that. In the wilderness, they lacked nothing. So we went on away from our brothers, the people of Esau who lived in Seir, away from, away from the Arabah road from Eleth to Ezion Geber. And we turned and went into the direction of the wilderness of Moab. And the Lord said to me, now here's God speaking to Moses again, do not harass Moab, or contend with them in battle. 
for I will not give you any of the land, any of their land for possession, because I have given Ar to the people of Lot for a possession. Now, now we find Lot's descendants. And God also gave them land. Now, now that's a beautiful thing here to see. God gave the people of Esau land. God gave the people of Lot land, and God gave the descendants of Abraham land. The Ementer formerly lived there, a people great and many and tall as the Anakim. Like the Anakim, they were also counted as Rephaim, and the Moabites called them Emim. The Horites also lived in Seir formerly, but the people of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and settled in their place as Israel did to the land of their possession. Now, okay. God, God helped Esau drive out people. God helped the sons of Lot drive out people, just like God is helping Israel drive out people. Now rise up and go over the brook at Zered. So we went over the brook Zered. And the time from our leaving Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the brook was 38 years, until the entire generation, that is the men of war, had perished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from the camp until they had perished. Now notice, God's hand was against a group of people. This generation of warriors who refused to go into the promised land when he told them to. Stubborn rebellion. God's hand was against them, but it took 38 years for them to go away. You say, well, why didn't God just kill them right away and go on? Because God's merciful. I personally think all that goodness God showed them was giving them an opportunity to repent for 38 years. But they never did repent of their stubborn disobedience and rebellion. They never circumcised their children. They never got rid of the, the gods from beyond the river. I mean, when you put all the scriptures together, you, you see these people lived in rebellion for 38 years. But God was still good to them. That, that's the amazing thing to me. People always want to walk around and say, well, you know, God's blessed me and I have a mistress, so it must be all right. God approves. God understands. Never take God's goodness as a, as a, a sign of his approval. God's goodness is what leads us to repentance. Verse 16. So as soon as the men of war had perished and were dead, now notice it took 38 years for that to happen. God was not in a hurry because of his mercy. As soon as they were dead from among the people, the Lord said to me, so as the last guy died, God said to him, today you are to cross the border of Moab at Ar. And when you approach the territory, the people of Ammon, do not harass them or contend with them. For I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot for possession. Now, the sons of Ammon are still around today. In fact, during the great tribulation, the people of Israel shall flee into the wilderness and find refuge among the sons of Ammon. It's a beautiful truth to see how the whole story arc comes together. It is also counted as the land of the Rephium. The Rephium formerly lived there, but the Ammonites call them Zamzumim, a people great and many and as tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them from before the Ammonites, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place, as he did for the people of Esau he lived, that lived in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites before them. And they dispossessed them and settled in their place even to this day. Now, why is Moses reminding everybody of this? He's saying, listen, God did it for your descend the descendants of Lot. God did it for the descendants of Esau. God's going to do it for you. Now, God gave them their land earlier than God has given you your land, but you can at least look at their example and see what God did for them. God will do for you. As for Azim, who lived in the villages as far as Gaza, 
and the Kafratim, who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and settled in their place. Rise up and set out on your journey and go over the valley of Arnon. Behold, I have given into your hand Shehan the Amorite, the king of Heshbon, and his land. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you on the people who are under the whole heaven, who will hear the report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish for you. There is a day that God begins to work. Now notice, when God began to work, he started by working by changing the hearts of people toward Israel. Israel couldn't see that. Now, this is the truth I want you to see. There's a day that God begins to work on your behalf, but you probably won't see it because it will be to give you favor in someone's sight. It will be to make somebody afraid of you so that they stop fighting you. You can't always see the unseen hand of God at work. So just understand that when God says, I'm working on your behalf, he's working. Verse 26. So I sent messengers from the wilderness to Kedemoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, now notice, Moses is not looking for a fight. He knows he has to fight, but he doesn't want to be the one to start it. Let me pass through your land, and I will go only by the road. I will turn aside, neither to the right or to the left. You shall sell me food for money and I may, that I may eat, and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, as the sons of Esau who lived in Seir, and the Moabites who live in Ar did for me until I go over the Jordan into the land that the Lord our God has given us. But Sihon, the king of Heshbon, would not let us pass by. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might give them into your hand as he is this day. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his hand over to you. Begin to take possession. Now notice, God said, I've begun, so you begin. Now notice, God says, I began, so you begun. I begin, so you begin. I begin, so you begin. He didn't say, I'm finished, so now you start. Don't look for God to have everything done. As God begins, you begin. Now, there's a great truth. Then Sihon came out against us and all his people to the battle at Jahaz. And the Lord gave him over to us, and we defeated him and his sons and all his people. And we captured all his cities at that time and devoted to destruction. Every city, men and women and children, we left no survivors. Only the livestock we took a spoil for ourselves and with the plunder of the cities that we captured. From Ar, which is at the edge of the, edge of the valley of Arnon, and from the city that is in the valley as far as Gilead, there is not a city too high for us. The Lord our God gave into our hands, gave all into our hands. Only to the land of the sons of Ammon you did not draw near. That is, to all the banks of the river Jabbok and the cities in the hill country, wherever the Lord our God has forbidden us. Chapter 3, verse 1, moving quickly so we can finish. Then we turned and went up the way to Bashan, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to the battle of Edre. But the Lord said to me, do not fear him. Now you'll see why people feared him in just a minute. Do not fear him, for I have given him and all his people and his land into your hand, and you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. So the Lord our God gave into our hand Og, also the king of Bashan and all his people. And we struck him down until he had no survivor. And we took all of his cities at that time. There was not a city we did not take from them, 60 cities. The whole region of Argob and the kingdom of Og and Bashan, all these were cities fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, and besides very many unwalled villages. And we devoted them to destruction, as we did to Sihon, king of Hishbon, 
devoting to destruction every city, men, women, and children. But all the livestock and spoil of the cities we took as plunder. So we took the land at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, from the valley of Arnon to Mount Hermon. The Sidonians called it Hermon Siron, and the Amorites called it Sinir. And the cities of the Tableland and all Gilead and all Bashan, as far as Salach and Edri, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. For only Og, the king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephium. Now notice the Rephium, these are the giants. Behold, his bed was a bed of iron. Is it not in Rabbah of the Amorites? Nine cubits was its length, 13 and a half feet long, and four cubits its breadth, six feet wide, according to the common cubit. So when we're talking about Og, we're talking about one of the giants. Now, this is why he said, Moses, don't be afraid of them. Israel, don't be afraid of him. This guy was a monster, man. This guy was huge. He was one of the giants. He's one of the Rephim. Now, this is why he said not to be afraid. When you see his bed made of iron, so in other words, he didn't sleep on a wooden bed because he was too big, 13 and a half feet long, so he was very tall, six feet wide, so he must have been tabat. This is one big man. But God gave them the victory. All right. Father, I lift to you your sons and daughters today. Lord, let your hand rest upon them. I thank you that sickness shall not come near their dwelling place today. And I thank you, Father, that just a settledness of peace, that it's all going to be well with them, that all the seed that they have sown through all these years with generosity of heart, this is a time for reaping and harvest. That as they have walked in obedience to your word, Lord Jesus, this is a time when you will honor that obedience in their lives, their businesses, their careers shall not be shaken. We thank you for it, Father. This is a time where we stand and we watch the faithfulness of our God. Faithful is he who promised. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at six o'clock.